When I was in sixth grade, I had a teacher. It's interesting because all of my siblings went to the same school, and my that teacher had all of us. Mm-hmm. So when I got to him, I had all these stories about him. He was very intimidating, always very serious, and I didn't know what to make of him. And even in sixth grade, I was kind of silly, somewhat naughty, but more silly than naughty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we had gone to camp as a class, and I had detention. <laughs> In detention, we got to do homework. Okay. (laughs) What a fun camp. And the teacher came out. He had off for us to repel mosquitoes. I really did not like mosquitoes at that age. So I was all about that. Mm -hmm. So he sprayed my arms. He said, let me spray it into your hands because I don't want to spray your face. Oh, God. I don't want to get it into your eyes. (laughs) And he talked like that. I don't want to get it into your eyes, Leong. And uh, actually, he called us all Leongi. Leongi, I'm going to spray it into your hands so you don't get it into your eyes. This is the proper terminology for multiple Leongs. Yes. <laughs> and he sprayed it into my hands. And immediately, I wiped my entire face with it directly into my eyes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I started screaming. <laughs> and his reaction was that of tremendous laughter. <sighs> He was laughing so hard. He was in tears, laughing so hard at me. To the point where I respected it. Because I'm like, this is really stupid. (laughs) I deserve this. To the point where I started laughing too. Because I could see the humor in it. (laughs) Don't get into your eyes. Boom, into my eyes. (laughs) And I don't remember anything else about the camping trip. Except putting repellent into my eyes. And my my teacher laughing. Oh my gosh. So that always... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, how old were you? Sixth grade. <laughs> I could talk. I could walk. Oh. One year away from... This is before middle school, so I was still in elementary school in sixth grade. Um, that taught me that my teacher, was, my teacher wasn't who he said he was or who he pretended to be. <clears throat> At that point, I learned about persona. Mm. And I learned about what you represent. And he knew he intimidated all of us. Right. But that laughter cut right to the core and I knew who he was after that and after that I didn't lose respect for him I gained so much more respect for him to the point where I think he, he and I kind of knew that he wasn't who he was in front of us mm. to the point where he kind of dropped his guard a little bit and mm-hmm. I kind of appreciated that he knew I was silly already Right. Yeah. I just wanted to know that he wasn't just hello <laughs> that he could laugh at a kid with repellent in his eyes <laughs> When I think about our guest today, Lisa Mariyama, that's what I think of. For years, we were very intimidated by her, the CEO, president of Hawaii Alliance Nonprofit Organizations, or HANO. Who wouldn't be intimidated by that Yeah, title? she has two titles, president <laughs> and CEO. CEO is an acronym. Exactly. But after meeting Lisa, I got to see who she was, and I found out that she was very fun. Very fun, yes. A regular person. <laughs> yes, and so crazy to think that we hold people on pedestals, but I really appreciated the fact that she was who she was, mm. and that's why I think it's so great that we got her to be our first guest for the morning assembly. And as you can tell, we've known each other for a long time, mm-hmm. six years at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the time has flown by, six years. And we've gotten to know her as colleagues, as mm-hmm. as partners in events and initiatives. Yes. And also as friends. Mm-hmm. So 
Lisa, you listen to this now. We're not scared of you no more. Because <laughs> I know if I got repelling in my eyes, I know you're the first person who will laugh. <laughs> she wouldn't be the only person laughing, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I remember I wasn't upset. I was laughing too. <laughs> That's how you make friends. <laughs> Every so often I'm going to spray myself in the eye and see who laughs. And see if we can become buddies. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Sorry. Oh, wait, wait, wait! Before before you say anything else, what school did you go so we can give a shout out? <laughs> I give a shout out Wildlife Elementary School. Yeah, represent Kamuki. You know, years later, I was in Longs, and I heard this voice behind me, Ryan Leong, and I turned around. I knew it was him. I knew it was him, and he smiled. And he said, "How's your family doing?" Yes, about all of our siblings, Carrie, Aaron, and Eric, all in order. <laughs> that's how you know it's. That's how you know it's somebody from your small kid time. They use your first and last name. It was the voice. <laughs> the voice. <laughs> Booming through longs, I spun around. I thought I did something. I thought I got a demerit. <laughs> that's where you run into everybody you know at longs. All right. So this is Ryan. This is Shar. This is Morning, Morning Assembly. Assembly. First guest today, Lisa Mariamo, CEO President, Hano. The Ohio Education Department presents Morning Assembly. Char and me here. Char will interject if she wishes. Okay. As and then wishes. we're just in our bedroom, as you can see, <laughs> and we like closed all our windows because we've had a lot of ambient noise. It's pretty crazy. And your doggy is sleeping. Well, I don't know where he went. He was on the bed, or she was on the bed. No, she's still here. No, though. she's still oh, there. Oh, I can't see behind. The- oh, there. <laughs> so, like, when we do she's Zoom out. calls, that, that's pretty she's- much the standard background. <laughs> She knows we're not on the bed, so she jumps on there, and everyone kind of just like, wow, look at your dog. Yeah, so chill. I'm envious. <laughs> I know, if only if only quarantine from home was like that. Mm-hmm. Dogs don't have anxiety, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so did you want to talk about anything in particular? No. <laughs> uh, just... <laughs> I'll just follow your lead. Is that okay? Oh, boy. I didn't do I didn't do any preparation. Yes, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this wanna, is totally organic conversation. Yeah. Sorry. I wanna, I wanna say that I didn't prep as well, so it sounds even, even though I really did. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. downloaded your I copied your bio from your website and everything. Oh god. <laughs> oh my just, god. I just wanted to be prepared just in case. I hope it's been updated. But yeah, okay. It says you're working for Hano for 11 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does it mention, um, the only way I can tell if it's been updated, does it mention um, that I'm now on the Oahu Economic Development Board? Yes. Okay, so that's the current one. Okay, all right. Oh, you guys are keeping your website up to date. Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) That seems to be the nonprofit crux sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 
the, yeah. the website still has like flash on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, lucky, yeah, luckily. <laughs> or board members from like 1975 or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I can't talk, think about everybody. That's right. I, can't, I forgot we were being recorded. <laughs> that's good. Mm. That's good. Mm. <laughs> no, I gotta, I'm gonna chop it up later, too. Okay. So don't fart or anything. Don't, <laughs> don't pass out. Okay. Try not to fart quite loudly. <laughs> if I see you leaning one way, I'm going to know what's going on. Actually, a good question is, um, do you care about, like, if you see something off, off color or something and you're like, nah, that's fine, leave it in. And it goes out and somebody hears it. How how do you care much about that? Not really. I mean, L Nolan and Jamie's was a little um, goofy at the end. And, um, and the, the podcast that I did with them in person in their office um, was like a little too, more, probably more information that I probably should have revealed about myself. <laughs> and then <laughs> I said to them, no one look. No one um, watches your podcast, right? So I don't have to worry. And they were like, kind of hurt, and they were like, "Oh yeah, I guess no one watches." And then people come up to me at restaurants and go, "Wow, that part that you said about the da da da, that's a la la, that was amazing." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, I can guarantee you that that will not happen with this podcast because maybe five to ten people listening. That's about it." Well, you never know. And I, that was the lesson I learned is that this is going out to the world, right? Anybody can hear it. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I better watch myself too. I don't want people to stop me and be like, oh, I heard you talked about farting on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Super everything is internet based now. Like even the Hawaii News Now interviews, I had a 6 a.m. interview on Hawaii News Now, and I thought, oh, I don't need to wear makeup. Nobody's watching at 6 a.m. And then, oh. <laughs> oh, I don't really care. Just who's watching, really, at 6 a.m.? So for one thing, the lesson I learned on that is lots of people are getting ready at 6 a.m. and watching, like getting ready for work, so they're up early. Uh -huh. And then another thing is once it goes viral, on everything gets put on their website, then it's yeah. just free. So this, I mean, I know it sounds a little naive, but it's just you don't realize... I have to psych myself up to thinking no one's going to watch this. Wait, uh, you, did you go on the air without yeah. getting ready? No, I did. I mean, I just thought, ah, my hair's all wangas, but that's okay. No one's going to, like, I didn't psych myself up for it, you know? And then oh, my friend, my classmates texting me, my high school classmates texting me during the interview and going, oh, wow, you're on live. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then, <laughs> She puts it on Facebook to oh, all no. of our, and puts it on our class of 87, like, you know, like highlights of alumni kind of thing. Uh, so anyway. Wow. I know. You know. That's good. People will say that, wow, nonprofit's rough. Look at Lisa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. She hits, she hits the alliance of nonprofits and look at her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's good PR. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta go with sweatpants and a coffee mug next I time. I know, right? I know, totally. So yeah, but um, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> as long as it's not mean spirited, like as long as it's not 
if it's just joking around, I don't really. But for the most part, as long as I've known you, you've been pretty open, and that's yeah. very refreshing for someone in your position. Yeah, I mean, I again, I think you have me on a pedestal, but we're like a two point five person <laughs> staff. <laughs> I mean, you've seen our office. Uh, <laughs> we're just when I walked in, I thought someone had broken in the night before. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. You can say that too if you want. Oh no! Yeah, this, this is, is all good stuff. Oh, staying in. <laughs> That's why I asked you that, that good follow-up question about um, persona and stuff. Yeah. So anyway, I don't care. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay, tell me what kind of sh- tone are you striving for in these podcasts? <laughs> I, I think. Um, I think because people are, I, and this is the brand part of me, uh, people see Hi-Ho as a specific style and brand, and we're very silly. Um, mm-hmm. We are very, not very serious, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> obviously. And so I, I think that will be our tone. I, I mean, we don't, we want to make sure that people understand and know that, you know, nonprofit work is fun still. Right. Uh, volunteering should be fun. I mean, you know, right, right. Be so serious, and we and we want to tell people, you know, the people who are doing this work, this quote unquote hard work or whatever, you know, um, we we're funny people, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and I think all of us are kind of like we're cool people, we're nice people, mm-hmm. and we want to show people that we are we aren't just you know humanitarian work mm-hmm. all the time, and we you know. Mm-hmm. We're human beings too. I think that's kind of the tone of what we want to do. Um, I think we also want to show the cool stuff that's happening in the nonprofit. Yeah, sector. that's not, and that sounds so nerdy to say. No, but, yeah. no, no. Yeah, and then can. are you? Can I turn the mic on you guys and can you share some of the projects that you've been up to? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 If I you're mean, interested in the, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, uh, morning assembly. This this podcast is called Morning Assembly because um, we were having morning time speaker series with uh, guests, and we had um, people presenting about various topics. And since COVID hit, we had to take everything virtual. And you know, instead of having a, a this small audience through Zoom and RCP and being in the same room and having you and I talk and everyone just listen, mm. we thought we could record it through podcast for posterity and mm-hmm. kind of put it up. So we kind of wanted a variety of topics. We wanted people with different, you know, knowledge bases. We also wanted to make sure we stay true to our audience. And the majority of our audience seems to be people who are volunteer managers or involved in volunteering or mm-hmm. think volunteering is cool, like how we think it's cool. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. present some information like that. But other than that, really, that's why there's really no agenda with you. I mean, you have a certain position and you represent something, but I think it's interesting for people to get to know you, who you are as a person as well. Yeah. I mean, part of Hilo's mission statement is sustainable volunteerism through yeah. human connection. And we've definitely felt like we've connected with you over the years and we felt mm-hmm. like a kinship with not only uh, similar beliefs, but also with, you know, sense of humor and trying to, you know, just get through the day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> totally just, you see that we put you on a pedestal and maybe maybe for the first two or three times i met you that was true until i found out how weird you were but but i think 
think you know, no, Lisa. I think after our first meeting with you guys, with you in particular at Nico's, we I remember Nico's. Yeah, remember, remember went to Nico's, and we went for like breakfast or something. And I think that's the first. Oh, time. and I was so late. I was so sorry about that. I was like 15 <laughs> minutes late. Ugh, so it, anyway, yeah. It was so funny because we were like, "Huh, oh, this we're gonna meet Lisa. She's like the president of Hano, <laughs> and she's gonna and she's cool enough to meet us on a Saturday. Okay, this is gonna work, you know." And so we sat down with you, and and then the next thing you know, it was lunchtime. I re I remember that very vividly. Like we spoke, oh, the really? conversation was flowed so easily between all yeah. of us that we sat there till like it was lunch. I remember, and then the yeah. people were at the restaurant were just like. Y'all gotta leave because <laughs> like, <laughs> it's lunchtime, and you guys have been sitting here eating breakfast the whole time. But yeah, the conversation was actually mm -hmm. really like, and it's always been that way. I think mm -hmm. since we've known you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I feel the same way for sure. Yeah, 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 it's very easy and natural. Yeah, I think it's the it's got to be the band thing. <laughs> all you guys oh. are, all, <laughs> all you guys are all band geeks. I think it's the Geek band. Goes. <laughs> I just, I remember my first memory is you guys came to our office and it was with Jen folks. I think it, it wasn't, I mean, we knew each other already, but you guys had come to kind of figure out Hanukkah and um, we had snacks there. I can't remember. But what were we joking about? Oh, anyway, my memory's so horrible, but. Um, so we all have three different origin stories because I, <laughs> I actually looked at my email to check because my memory is terrible. <laughs> the only way I can get keep track of things is by my Gmail, which I never throw anything away. This is true. Me and too. Said, me too. Yeah, it said that we met at Zippy's. What? You and I met at Zippy's. We oh, to meet with Jen yes. Barrett, but she got sick that day, oh, so it was yes. just me and you. And well, I thought it was Sherry. No. No. That, that time at oh. Zippy's. No, I think it was just. Hmm. Uh, you know, I think you're right. I think that is the first time we met. I think and the, was, yeah. the meeting that Shar is describing, we already knew each other. Yeah. Yeah. That no. Was. Yeah. That was with our team. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I went out first. They threw me to the wolves to be like, "You go meet with Lisa." <laughs> <laughs> and then I and it's funny because I emailed you when I was at Zippy's because I didn't have your number, and I said. You know, I'm just realizing it's the first time I'm meeting you and facial recognition is not going to work for me. Oh. So I'm standing outside and I emailed that to you like a dork. <laughs> and I told you what kind of shirt I was wearing. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what's going on. And I don't know if she's here. I don't know what she looks like. I, I guess you're Asian because your last name. Is that racist? <laughs> um, but um, yeah, we met and it, I tried to be very formal. I had all this packet stuff. <laughs> and you had your, your Hanokan packet, and we're, like we're trying to sell each other timeshares. <laughs> and it was interesting because they put us on the side of the restaurant where nobody was at Zippy's Vineyard. Oh, yeah. Oh. And there's no one around us. In I don't know if they thought we were brokering yeah. some sort of deal. <laughs> but it was fun. You know, was, like arm sales kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some of the pamphlets came out. They must have backed off and said, this is serious. <laughs> Let's relegate these guys to uh, <laughs> Nowheresville. Because you probably met with a handshake too. I don't know. <laughs> really, I don't feel like we would have. I would have bypassed the handshake and hugged you. I think, but really, I, I'm very aware of my masculinity <laughs> and my my size and my height, and I try to do the handshake first just to be polite. 
because I've I've hugged like women and men, and they've just been swamped by me, and they're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> big hug you you to need, like back off, Harvey Weinstein, kind of. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's more like I don't want to en- envelop them in my in my mask and everybody loves hugs from you, Ryan. Yeah. Well, that's hilarious. Um, that's what, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think that's right. I think that's no. The, I think I think you're right yeah. too. That's probably the yeah. first time we met. And then you, then then probably you came back. We you guys came to Hano. Um, you, Shar, and Sherry. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe we had the weekend Shar, the, the meeting Shar recollects. Yeah, I yeah. this is a whole, as bad a memory as I have you too. So. I do. Okay, so Shar and I had this one very distinct memory with you. And it's not, what kind of nonprofit podcast this is this? It's not related to <laughs> nonprofit at all. Hey, we is, had one of our meetings in Hano. And like you said, you guys are very, you guys are like us. You guys are very snack aware. <laughs> You had Jared's popcorn oh, from Chicago. I remember that. That's great. great. And you me. said, this is Garrett's popcorn. It's caramel and cheddar. And we looked at each other and we gave each other the same face like, oh, that sounds disgusting. Right? And so we didn't touch it. And then eventually one of us kind of went for it and we gave each other, even though we're talking business, we gave each other the look like, hey, you have to try this. Yeah, and, yeah. And the world just stopped. I and remember. as soon as you left the room for a break, we just attacked it. We attacked it. I think, yeah, I think as soon as you left the room, all three of us were like, oh my God, this is popcorn. Why couldn't you just We didn't want to be rude. Oh my gosh, you guys. We rude. We're so Asian. You didn't remember we bowed and backed away when the meeting was over. But ever since then, I had to do a couple of things in Chicago. And I said, this is the popcorn that Lisa gave us. Yes. Well, I remember when you guys went. I saw your pictures on Facebook. Oh my gosh, it was so good. And you guys were still look so cold when you were there. Was, yes, we stood yeah. in line. It, it didn't matter. <laughs> you got to stand in line for that popcorn. Yeah. Right. Totally. So if I had lost some toes from Frostbite, I would have came back and blamed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the right. That's that's one of the weird things about food is that it always ties to very memories. Yeah. yeah. So even while we're in line and we bought like containers, like we have to like the barrels. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We need yes. everyone to have the same experience that we had. Just be surprised by it. Yes. Right. The people I the barrels to were like, I don't understand what this is. And I said, yeah. don't worry. You <laughs> don't will. worry. Once you start eating it, you will have a revelation. Well, it's, it's good that you came back, brought it back in barrels. Because re- if you recall, I don't think I did that. I brought them back in just you, like. You had a bag. It was a bag. They were super stale, right? They were really stale. Yeah. Oh, Lisa, it was still good. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I remember feeling super disappointed because that was like my little omiyage, and I was like, "Oh, it's so stale already. Oh, I should have no, brought the big it bucket." Not disappointing at all. <laughs> oh my god! Before we got to Chicago, we strategically planned like what we we're gonna bring back. Then so when we came back, we had an entire carry-on bag full of yes, yeah. mini barrels, yeah, and it yeah. was just ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally. I mean, I, I, I had wanted, I, next time I will plan for 
a completely other dedicated suitcase for it. <laughs> just, yeah, just for popcorn, yeah. Just for popcorn. Or, should, or they should, did, do you know if they have mailing services to just ship I'm it? Sure, yeah, probably. that might be better, right? And then they can package it so it's airtight or whatever. So Yeah, I went for work, so I guarantee that we had a very long layover, right? Because the cheapest flight. So mm. if you mail it, it might get back to Hawaii faster than I would. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, great. Because it's pretty much the same. You do overnight shipping. It took us 26 hours to fly there. Oh, with our- my gosh. Our layovers, yeah. That's true. crazy. Crazy. But Chicago's a cool city, huh? Yes. Yeah, we were uh, We were there, right? Right when my training ended. A couple of days later, it was St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Oh, so you got to see the parade. Yeah. Well, like the Ferris Bueller, famous Ferris Bueller parade. No, Ryan, Ryan was sick. Oh, let me, let me know. he was sick. I thought I was jet lagged for the first two days of training, and I was drinking uh, coffee. And yeah, and I was standing through the whole training, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm so jet lagged. Mm. And then after the second day, mm. it was done. I went back to the room, and I oh, told her, I just need to rest for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I woke up drenched in a cold sweat. Oh, uh, fever, and yeah. my fever broke. And I popped up and said, Let's have some pizza. And I yeah. told her, only <laughs> night and day. And I was like, wow, I, I wish I had known I was sick earlier. I might have contributed more during my training. Oh, shucks. Yeah. yeah Good thing it. it wasn't too long, though, of a sickness. Like, it sounded like it was just 24 hours or something. Yeah, I think it was a 24-hour thing. Yeah. The other oh. lucky thing is I didn't catch it. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I would have been upset. Right. And it was so cold. It was cold, right, when you guys it were there? It was cold. Yeah. yeah. So, Chicago is a beautiful city. I mean, we did as much architecture things as we could there i just i just liked that it kind of had a big city feel but still manageable but people were kind of friendly like midwestern friendly like like there was a little bit of more down-to-earth ness to them not so fast-paced as new york you know manhattan but also you get the culture you get the art you know (laughs) um it was just different enough, like the food, and I don't know. I, I I enjoyed it. We took that architectural boat tour. I don't know if you guys did that. Oh, yeah, that, we yeah, did. We did. Yeah, that was, that was great. Do you remember toward the end? I don't know which end of the of the river that you started, but toward the end on my tour, there were these brown buildings that looked like mm-hmm. something out of Tatooine or something. Yes. <laughs> it just it was so <laughs> wild to me. Like they just looked so otherworldly, you know. Yeah, and actually, they were, and they were condos. You know, yes, they are. Um, they're one of the most iconic buildings in Chicago. Yeah. And they actually, um, it was the first building in Chicago that was built with a steel crane. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, the the name of the tower is escaping me, and I'm gonna have to input it in the notes. But yeah, I, I took, I specifically, we went to Chicago, and I told Ryan, I said, I need to take a picture of this building. <laughs> yeah, and Ryan was like okay and i was like we need to find it so that yeah it's so very cool i yeah. found it and i took a picture of it so kind of mind-blowing just the yeah that was a, i'm glad i took that tour just to get rooted in the city's history and all of that so yeah that was a treat yeah, yeah I, remember, sure. I remember our tour guide and i was thinking i think she needs to up her game a little bit because Every building, she said, this is my favorite building. <laughs> and after, like, the third or fourth time, I started looking at her very skeptically, like, are you lying to us? Or is every building your favorite building? Yeah. Yeah, was she um, a good, like, historian, though? Did she? 
Oh, she about. was fantastic. It was, oh, good. there was so much information that it kind of bled from building to building. Yeah. So it really, there's really very little downtime. And I'm not, I mean, Shar is obviously very into that. And I was, I was interested in it, but I wouldn't say I had to do it. But even for someone like me, I had a very good time with it. So I think that's how good of a job she did. Yeah. Yeah. And considering it was freezing. It was, yeah. It was freezing. And I'm sure out on the boat because it's open, isn't it? There's it's parts of it that air. are open air, right? Yeah. yeah, we were open on the open part, and yeah. uh, I had a beanie and a jacket, and I just kind of bundled up, and it yeah. was, and the river was still green, so it's kind yeah. of yeah. Oh, cool! Yeah. Very cool. And then, yeah. is it typically like you know the windy city? It was was it like gusts coming at you? Yes. Yeah. It was, oh wow. Uh, it was cold. Wow. If you're just tuning in. This is traveling with the nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about places we've been to, <laughs> mostly for conferences. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the backs of, on the budgets of someone else. Some other. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So my husband and I have been joking that. So I've been to DC practically every year of my nonprofit career. Oh wow! It, yeah, yeah. So, except for the year that I was Hapai with my second, my son. Um, and how high for your mainland listeners means oh. pregnant. <laughs> so, for all of you Chicago listening right now. Because yes, there will be droves of mainlanders <laughs> yes. listening to this. But, uh, We're going to be trending on Twitter next, next week. <laughs> <How> high, <Lisa. laughs> but um, except for that year, and then, I mean, really the exception of maybe three years of my entire nonprofit career, and that's spanning over 26 years, 27 years. I went to DC every year because all of my organization, I, I, we always belonged to national organizations that were DC based. So I've been able to do that every year and my, but I've always gone by myself. And then my husband recently has gone several times for business as well, mm. but never uh, always by himself. And so sad. I mean, at some point we did go for a family reunion um, two summers ago together mm -hmm. but you know you're on the fly you're with your kids there's family yeah. activities so we haven't really been able to just take in the city just the two of us so just a tour it yeah yeah have you guys been to dc i i have never been i know ryan yeah. has you know there's two things right in my life that i'm very uh very lucky for is being in band and band kind of just takes oh, you yeah. everywhere Right. in high school and even in college and working nonprofit, I've actually traveled quite a bit. And so yeah. I was at DC when I was in high school. Yeah. But it's one of those high school trips where the tour guide's kind of like rushing you through and you know, you see a little bit here, you see like there's the the knee of Abraham Lincoln. Now we gotta move to the next thing. And mm -hmm. we saw mm -hmm. a little bit of everything and we didn't really see one thing very right. well. Right, right. Deeply or meaningfully. Yeah. That's too But bad. now that I realize it, I think that's <laughs> I think they were playing to the attention span of a high yeah. schooler. Yeah. Because in the moment, I didn't care. I thought it was great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just whipping through, and then you get the highlights, and then you can always go back and, as an adult, explore things that you, you want to do, you know, on yeah. your own. Yeah. So. When, you're, when you're in high school, you really don't appreciate a lot of the stuff that's happening mm -hmm. in front of you. You're just like, hey, I'm away from my parents with my friends. Yeah, and let's sit next to the cute guy on the bus. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Everyone wanted to sit next to me. <laughs> is, is, are their hotel rooms going to be near our hotel rooms? 
<laughs> Abraham Lincoln. Anyway, are our hotel rooms going to be near their hotel rooms? Yeah. <laughs> like, I wonder which uh, kind of Hollywood we're going to eat dinner at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it looks like which TGI Fridays we're going to go right. to. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So, so, DC every year of your nonprofit career. So, how many times were you in DC then? Because I see here that you've been at Hano for 11 years. So that's at least 11 trips. So more than 11 trips. Well, and then because I was on the board of the National Council of Nonprofits for six, seven years, I had to sometimes go two more times. So in a year, sometimes I would have gone three times. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, wow. so yeah, I, I couldn't even tell you. You I went that be- much that you can't tell me how much times you've been there? Yeah, because oh, at the awesome. Mental Health Association, I would have gone probably twice, three three times. And then at the Pacific and Asian Affairs Council, I would have gone like maybe seven times. So three plus seven, ten. And then at Hano, who knows? And- yeah, maybe t- 20 times, 20. Mm-hmm. No, wow. more than that, more than that. I don't know. I don't, I couldn't even tell you, but. That's at least um, a free upgrade to the lounge, right? Not even. No? <laughs> not, when you're, not when you're flying. I mean, I wasn't really smart about it. I just went on, like you, I just went on carriers that were the cheapest, that, had me crisscrossing all over the country. (laughs) So I never got, I mean, I think I have Hawaiian miles now, but Hawaiian doesn't fly straight into DC. So I never Mm -hmm. really took advantage of doing it that way. It was, Uh, and it was always on like one year during hard times, some a board member donated miles. And so I went on one carrier to LA and then I jumped on, checked out of the terminal got my suitcase, checked into another terminal of another carrier. And then, um, and this is before I knew that LA had a shuttle between terminals. And so I oh. terminal five to terminal one or something um, <laughs> with my big suitcase. And oh yeah, then I had to get on another carrier and then I had different miles from LA to probably crisscrossing all over three more stops to get to DC. <laughs> <laughs> Nonprofit life, right? Not, yes, exactly. Um, nonprofit life. The the <laughs> holy grail of nonprofit is a direct flight. <laughs> yes. That's how you know you've made it when you can take yeah. a direct flight. Yes. Well, oh. I hate to brag, but one of my trips for work, <laughs> I took a direct flight and I had my own room. <laughs> so that is the pinnacle. You can't get better than that. Totally. No, I, I agree. You've made it. You the man. Yeah. You got the, yeah, you're the unicorn, Ryan. Yeah. 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 Because there were 11 people and everyone paired up. Wow. That's expensive. Yeah. That's an expensive trip for a nonprofit. Yeah. Yeah. I was worth it, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But I was really smart about it. I called ahead. I knew I was going to get my own room. And then I kind of, there was a period of two weeks where they said, "Ah, if no one else comes, you're going to get your own room. And if another female comes, then you both get your own room. So I had a 50-50 nice. chance. Yeah. Turns out no one came. As soon as I found out it was my room, I called ahead. And I went crazy. I said, I need I need a microwave. 
I need a coffee machine. <laughs> I need a. I need a. I need to convert to a king size bed. And they're like, "Oh yes, yeah, sir. It's all. It's all fine." And I said, "As long as there's no extra charge." And they said, "It's fine." <laughs> so I walked around with the puff my chest out and said, "I have a king size." You're bed. like Tom Cruise in your underwear, dancing around. <laughs> Risky business. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I knew the reference. You don't have to. If you had just Tom Cruise in his underwear, Lisa, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought you were just talking about the Lisa, man himself. Lisa, you got it. Sure. You got it. Eighty-seven. You're not that much older. I, <laughs> I wasn't sure. I sometimes I say things and people are like, "What?" Like it's like, "Oh, Julie Andrews." Does it, who's Julie Andrews? I'm like, oh, you shut up. <laughs> you have to use a modern reference. Like she was in Shrek. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, she, she was in that movie with. Um, yes, thank you. That was going to take me a while, because then I would have gone on this roundabout. She was with the woman who I really like, who was in that other movie that. Oh uh, no! She was the bad MC for the Academy, and then da da da. That's what I would have done. And Hathaway. That would have been yeah. fun. Thank you. <laughs> with that guy who was who's like kind of serious, but he wasn't really that funny anyway. <laughs> Lisa, that, Lisa should do her own game show night. Yeah, <laughs> Ellen, that Ellen show where at the end you have to name the celebrities. I would be horrible. I mean, I know, I know the name. It's just I can't go that fast. You know what I'm talking about, right? Have you seen that yeah, Ellen uh, game show? I, I, I have. I know yeah, Ryan. Yeah. For continuity, I'm just gonna say, yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I know I couldn't I know all the names, but not within the seconds that she gives you. So uh, on top of that, she's gonna add the the audience, so it's gonna make you even more nervous. So it's gonna be more difficult. Right, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but we completely digressed. That was a great tangent. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago, nonprofit travel, and Hathaway. Yes. <laughs> Well, D DC sounds nice. Like I do intend to go there one yeah. day. Once all this, once I mean, I, I'm not gonna say when we get back to normal. I, I've been thinking that a lot, but I'm trying not to say it because I think that's a little. That would kind of neglect all the things we've learned during COVID nineteen, right? If you say go back to normal, right. that assume that we're gonna go back to our old ways. I don't think we're gonna go back. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm. Agree in agreement that um, things will not be the same. I'm really, really holding on to the idea that we'll be in control to pick all of the things, the good things that come out of COVID, the silver linings around, you know, like uh, we've talked about this before, I think briefly, like silos coming down, um, you yes. know, uh, sparks of collaboration that would have taken, you know, moving heaven on earth to see two people, two organizations in the same room, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and then you see that these collaborations happening effortlessly in these times because the, um, the goal is greater than each of them, right? And so that kind of stuff is chicken skin, you know, that, that stuff I'm just holding on to, I'm watching it um, marveling at it and watching it with um, like such pride and such excitement. And mm -hmm. I'm just, I don't know what, how I will feel if that just disappears with, with COVID. Like what, mm -hmm. when we solve this, when we come out of our caves, 
when the pandemic is over, when a vaccine is created or whatever, right? Whatever is the, yeah. the, the solution to this. Um, I'm just, I will be devastated actually if, if people go back to their corners, um, they begin to demonstrate competitiveness again. Mm -hmm. If there's a hesitancy to reach out across the sector or outside of our sector to, to do this work, um, it just would be devastating to me because I, I, that's the beauty I think of all of this that came out of this is just, it's a higher calling um, that had put aside all previous um, trivi trivial issues, all previous um, concerns about failure, concerns about, um, I don't know, you know what I mean? It's just, it just, I think you, your your um, comfort with risk in this in these times um, is so high. People are like, hmm, "What have you got to lose?" Right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean the world's ending. Yeah. Practically, <laughs> yeah. So right. What is it for? Right. Uh, is there anything? Is there? You know, you talk about collaborations during this time. Has there has there been anything that came across your purview that you're just blown away by? You talk about chicken skin. Like, what in particular? Are there anything examples out there that you can share? Oh, I mean, you know, and I don't know the details. Maybe you actually know them better than I do. But like these, you know, I know you're friends with Mark Noguchi. Uh, I've been sort of watching him and his wife from afar um, mm -hmm. of just their rapids, you know, standing up of their, um, you know, Chef Hui and then reaching out, you know, to the food banks, reaching out to, um, I believe they're working with Lanakila Pacific mm -hmm. and, you know, just creatively, rapidly doing whatever it takes to get food out to food insecure communities. That's been real chicken skin to watch. Um, just the- Yeah, we're actually partnering with them. Um, we're doing uh, meal delivery from, nice. you know, cause uh, I don't know if you heard the pitch that they do, but the triple benefit is mm -hmm. funding to secure funds for restaurants, which would secure funding mm -hmm. for farmers, which would benefit mm -hmm. nonprofits with the food, a win-win-win situation. Right. And and I guess we win as volunteers because right. we get to be a part of that. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's they've they've been yeah you're right and partially I think and not to speak disparagingly about the nonprofit sector, but them coming from where they're coming from they really had no playbook to go by. They're mm -hmm. just going to party everybody all at mm -hmm. once. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good example, like you said, of like the nonprofit sector took a pandemic to kind of bring our walls on a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I hope before we can be more collaborative. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I sort of feel like what kind of irritates me is when people go, you know, there are people hungry and I, and we must now act. And I'm thinking there are always people hungry. You know, mm -hmm. um, so why couldn't we act in, in these creative ways? I mean, I know I know that there were nonprofits out there that were whose missions were to serve the hungry. Um, yeah, and we're and we're doing that, you know, no doubt they were nothing had changed about their services. They still were responsive. But like, why all of a sudden has this given us lease or excuse or permission to just like do whatever, like just collaborate, like. You know, oh, the other piece to this is Aloha Harvest, right? Is utilizing the the food delivery, like the food distribution pieces, like in this 
it's, it's just funny that when you think about the food systems, all of these partners just kind of fell into place where, yeah. they, belo where they belonged, right? Even you guys as volunteer management, volunteer core support fell mm -hmm. into place. Why, is, why did it take a pandemic for it to be that easy for everyone to just fall into place into this food distribution food system, right? Um, I think that's the hard question. I think all of us, even now, even people in leadership positions are thinking, they should be thinking about that. that right. And that's the biggest fear, right? That's why I hesitate to say get back to normal because right. I don't want to go back to normal. I want right. to be better than normal. Right. I want to see what our sector can do together. Yeah, and, and, and largely because, you know, what are the things that have allowed for that, right, is generally everyone said go, right? Whether it was your funder, whether it was your board, whether it was your government contractor, for some reason the message was, okay, go try it. Right. Or um, and why can't we hold why can't we be flexible like that always? Um, so I'm just wanting all of the um, spontaneity. I want to keep all the spontaneity and the creativity and the flexibility. And I want to do away with the rigidity um, and the risk aversion and the. Like those are just as we as we think about how we move. What is the new normal for us? Those are the characteristics or the um, traits that I would love this community to keep holding on to. And then so, you know those are the other the other traits are the ones I would like people to let go of. Um, so I, that's that's what my hope is for the new normal. Um, and then also just we've seen the we've seen the funding community get super creative and. Um, just kind of let go, right? <laughs> we've seen we've seen philanthropy just say, we're we're sitting on resources and people people are you know literally dying. Yes. In this yeah. in this pandemic, we we need to go. Um, so it's been really that's another chicken skin area is just to see the philanthropic community rapidly respond, give up some of their um, fears and and just get creative, find each other, co fund. Um, leverage resources. Um, it's, I, it's been really kind of nice to see them um, organize themselves in that way around community need. So yeah, um, and then just people are trying things, right? Um, reinventing themselves and uh, rethinking, you know, discovering, identifying skill sets that they always knew they had but repackaging it in this context to deliver it differently. I love that. Like that's super exciting to just see people doing that, seeing organizations pivoting, like you're, you guys are pivoting, right? In, in the way yes. that you deliver your services, the way you meet your mission. That's just really exciting to see the, to see pe organizations be that adaptive um, and responsive is just super like, that's my jam. That for where I sit to see that in the community is, super, super um, inspirational. So yeah, total for me, I see silver linings in all of this. We're very uh, flattered you even lumped us in, but let's not make a mistake. It's, we're not feeding thousands. We're creating a podcast for our pivot. <laughs> so we know what we're about. <laughs> but, I, but I sort of feel like, um, you know, I, in the beginning of the crisis, I sort of felt like why Lisa, can't shouldn't you get out there and and could you could you be on the front lines providing food? Should mm -hmm. you be you know 
um, trying to get out there and distribute PPE, et cetera. Um, and I felt a little guilty about it because I just wasn't sort of doing some of that field work, so to speak. And, yeah. and, yeah. Uh, and you know, also just to step out of my own privilege, right? My own um, comfort to comfort zone to actually help those who are really struggling. Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of realized that there, there's a role that Hano plays um, and that Absolutely. I play and that I play at Hano, which mm -hmm. is to support some of those organizations that are out there trying to do that because some of these organizations, while they're actually distributing food, they're still trying to apply for the PPP loan. <laughs> they're still trying, they're worrying about furloughing people or they're worrying about their physical offices and what to do about that. And so to the extent that we can, we at Hano can make it easier for them to make some of those decisions that we're helping to vet information and curate information for them so that they can go faster. You know, I had to kind of embrace that that's our place in yeah. this crisis, yeah. uh, our place of response and uh, right. to be okay with that. Having said that, and this is about volunteerism too, is I still would like to do some, some projects, you know, like, um, a colleague shared with me some activities um, for various, like INA-based work that could be done in this in this crisis. Food delivery um, that I probably will still try to take them up on. Um, mm -hmm. It's just been challenging to, as you know, Zoom call after Zoom call after Zoom call. It's hard to get off that treadmill of that type of work that that I'm doing of information gathering and advocacy. Yes. To get to actually change up the rhythm of it and get out there and actually spend you know half a day doing something completely different that is still worthwhile to community. It's been hard to make that transition for me, but I still want to. Um, I just I just think that it would everybody should try to do some sort of um, everybody should see um, communities be out in the community to actually see struggle. I think mm -hmm. it does inform the wonkiness, you know, from where we sit and things we think about around advocacy policy. Like it's it's really important to understand how the end user is being affected by all the work that we're doing, right? So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I think I think in leadership positions, it's always the most important thing is to never lose touch of the community, lose touch of the the people who are benefiting from your efforts, you know. Yeah. But you know, to to back, go back to what you said, I. I'm not going to just lump praise because I want to, but your role and Hano's role throughout this this COVID-19 pandemic, we've seen the way you've adjusted and we are very appreciative of all the things you provided with trainings and opportunity and trying to help people navigate just the convoluted systems that came out, mm -hmm. even the, the things like that would benefit other nonprofits, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. One of the resources you turned us on to was the Kukula switchboard as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if that necessarily came out of this pandemic, but. It did. Yeah, I, I'm really proud of that platform. Um, it came out of, actually it came out of some funder conversations at the beginning of this crisis because some of our partners in, in, in forming that platform are actually funders. I think we were able to rapidly get, like purchase the platform, get it started. You know, I I want to qualify that we, we've we been thinking, I think I mentioned this to you when we first met, is we had been thinking about this concept of a virtual marketplace for, for a long time. Yeah. Like I was, yes. I've been at Hano for 11 years. I can say maybe 10 years ago, we started thinking of, and I think I may have described it to you as like 
that Moroccan marketplace where virtually yeah. online there's spices in one corner, carpets in another corner. So yes. similarly, it was like, you know, funders in a corner, grant, you know, um, con government contractors, vendor, any vendor that has a service that can benefit nonprofits, um, nonprofits themselves who are willing to share expertise, and then also volunteer cores that can be on this in this marketplace, kind of just connecting with each other. So we've always imagined what that would look like. And we've just never had completely the mana'o. We've not had the funding. We've not had the bandwidth, the capacity to actually carry mm -hmm. this concept through. And we've, we've basically had been warned to that just because you set up a platform, just because you build it doesn't mean they come. Yeah. That's from uh -huh. another movie that might be too old for you guys, but. Um, Little dreams. Oh my God, you guys are awesome. <laughs> We are not twenty-year-old millennials. We are. Oh my gosh. We are old people, Lisa. You we're did not old just people. fall off the turnip truck yesterday. Yeah. No. <laughs> anyway, that's an old saying too. But anyway, um, so so just because you build it doesn't mean they come, and we really took that to heart because you got to constantly stoke it, right, to get it populated. So anyway, fast forward to this COVID environment, and you have you have funders who are willing to pretty rapidly gather capital for this. I would have, you know, we, Hana would have never had the ability to do that. And then just some good, like mad tech skills, you know, um, coming from HIR, from Keone Lee, mm -hmm. just combining some of the mana'o together and then combining the communities, right? The social enterprise guys, the funders, mm -hmm. the charitable nonprofits just made for a very robust community of connecting in these times. Like we just talked about Gooch, right? And just the ideas don't have to always come from the charitable nonprofit sector. They can yes. emanate from the funding community. They can emanate from government. They can emanate from social enterprise as long as we're serving community. And what mm -hmm. I love about the switchboard is that it's, it's leveling the playing field. A funder can be right in there talking story with a small community-based nonprofit to talk about rapid community solutions together. And then the funding's there and the mana'o's there and everyone comes together and does it and can demonstrate it right there for everyone else to, to realize they have a chance to actually get their project funded. And it can be small kind or it can be, you know, $50,000 grant. I mean, it can be whatever, right? And, and that's just, that's another chicken skin thing to me is communities are, stakeholders are becoming more transparent with each other as to what their agendas are you yes. know in this in this kukulu switchboard context everything is genuine you know like if someone is a non-genuine actor they have to be out they do not belong on the switchboard you have to come to that platform wanting to help mm -hmm. you know in some way um so i love that um just that for us, it was another expression of connectivity, of leveraging resources, um, of finding people or finding organizations that you would have never found before, you know, physically before COVID. Um, so uh, anyway, I'll stop talking about that. That's just that was just <laughs> another thing that we really, really um, got super excited to see come to fruition after thinking on that concept for like a decade. Um, and we hope that it will have life after COVID, that we hope that it won't need to address just the urgent needs, but it could be looking for long-term partners, mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. serves, like anybody who's there to serve, to 
to do the long game for changing the system or improving communities, strengthening communities, anybody who's there for that long game can also find partners on the switchboard. Because um, like you said, Ryan, you know, post COVID, what is our, what are, what is society going to look like, right? What are our communities going to look like across the state? I don't, I can't, I don't, I know people are visioning that already. Like people who, people who are futures oriented are actually imagining what, what Hawaii will look like. I can't see that right now with clarity, but I just feel like these types of mechanisms, like the switchboard and the work that you guys are doing, the work that we're doing, um, hopefully will mold whatever that container is or whatever that framework is into something that's very community driven first um, that challenges kind of the existing power dynamics that really haven't worked um, for solving community problems hopefully community can drive some of those solutions going forward um, mm -hmm. that's kind of how but I don't see it like for me that it's not crystal clear for me yet it's I don't have the framework in mind I just know the values that I want us to have going forward um, yeah I don't know if you guys have ideas about what the future looks like the future is so unknown right now that I hope we just we don't repeat you know right the past we learn from what we're learning from we learn to be more dynamic and more fluid and more ready for collaboration. But more importantly, people like you need to move forward and people put in positions that where they have uh, influence and they can um, share the kind of their technical and functional expertise mm -hmm. that you can be flexible in your mind and you can help lead that charge for Hawaii. A lot of the people, you need to be able to remind people that, hey, we, we came out of something and something great happened. And we mm -hmm. kind of pull together. Now, can we continue pulling together for the future? Mm -hmm. What I think is needed, definitely, in characteristics of people, leaders in this, in you know, in the state, are people who can bridge, right? So, what, whatever, whatever that means, bridge sectors, bridge interests, bridge power, bridge, you know. And and I see you guys too as you know what's coming the essence of what's coming out of this is really based in volunteerism, right? It's, it's so much of the spirit of, of this, the response to the pandemic is based in, in, in volunteer, in volunteers um, and the work that volunteers are doing, right? Um, nobody is doing this for, uh, to make a profit in, in this context at the moment. And so you organizations like yours are really positioned um, in a prime position to really continue, take the essence of that and just keep finding the expressions of that for, for the community. Um, but, the, but I really do see your organization, your mission as a bridge, as yet another type of bridge that brings people together, that opens up um, resources, that creates access, et cetera. Thanks. That's that's tremendously flattering. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's high compliment for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna hang our hat on that one. But I mean, but, but like, don't you, don't you, you feel know, that too? That this is where this is this is. Don't you feel that the essence that came out is coming out of this con this? I was gonna say conflict, but this pandemic is really like some of the good stuff. The nuggets of amazing amazingness are really rooted in the concepts of volunteerism. I think I think when you think about volunteerism, you think about someone wanting to convert 
you know, emotions and feelings mm -hmm. into action. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely what happened. People mm -hmm. who are even out of work, we have several volunteers who are on furlough and they are willing to put their, their time into helping others. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, one of the things that HiHo is conflicted with is the same kind of essence that you had of at being in HANO is we can be on the front line volunteering or can we take a step back and use what we know to create better volunteer systems? Mm -hmm. Can we help organizations mm -hmm. get their volunteer programs kickstarted mm -hmm. past COVID with, you know, safety measures in place and standards and practices? Mm -hmm. So we're kind of trying to find that balance as well because... Mm -hmm. Although we can be stellar volunteers, I think we can do even better and uh, share our knowledge exponentially with with volunteer managers across the state. Mm -hmm. so, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and then to, to touch upon the the spirit and the spirit of volunteerism, and you know, this being the the current COVID situation and how people are responding, I, I think for me it just comes down to, and I think in high hope we we kind of believe this, which is, you know, I think this, it took something, some sort of catalyst, large catalyst like COVID to wake everybody up mm -hmm. and remind people that we're all human beings mm -hmm. and we're all still connected to each other, you know, and um, what we do for each other matters. And especially in times of crisis mm -hmm. matters. And, and I think what you're seeing right now is yes, the captured embodiment of you need a physical vehicle for something mm. to you know, like love and like I've heard of the this saying about love and motion is that's what that's how they describe volunteerism is mm -hmm. love and motion. And um, what you're seeing is the result of the feelings that people are feeling mm -hmm. when they're at home and they're like, I I want to help. Yeah, I want absolutely. to physically do something. And you know, and and what you're doing, it's not as far as the the position you're in and what Hano is doing. It's so very needed. And I still understand the urgency that you have individually to want to do something that's physical, you know, mm -hmm. in motion as, mm -hmm. as, a, as a be. And, and I think that's the general idea of what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. People want to help. And it's kind of interesting that it's happened in this way. And the want for us to continue to do it like this, I hope that it will continue. Mm -hmm. at, the, at the bottom of my heart, I hope, mm -hmm. I hope it you or at least it will help break down a lot of the barriers like you said the right. silos that people are working in because right now it doesn't it seems like there's no silos and and right. it's a beautiful thing it really and, and is. It's so, yeah it is and it's so interesting how quickly mm -hmm. things get done right so somebody asks for something immediately mm -hmm. somebody comes and says mm -hmm. hey i can help you and and i and i'm like you sometimes i question the where was this the whole time you know it was there it's just i think people needed to be shaken up and to be reminded you know we're all in this together mm -hmm. and the only way we are going to get through it or get out of it or whatever is together mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I, definitely the i have no idea what after this looks like but i know if it looks anything like how it looks right now it's it's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I love your term, love in motion. That's, I think that's such a beautiful term to describe what you guys do. That's, a, that should be like your, I don't know, motto or I don't know, whatever, but it's so beautiful. It, it, it at least is going to be this podcast title. <laughs> love in motion people, with Lisa Mariama. So people might think it's something else, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> I think that'll attract more listeners. That's, That's going to be okay with me. That's true. They'll turn on. They're like, they're talking about Garrett's popcorn. Turn off. <laughs> Garrett's popcorn is very much love in motion. Right? That's true. 
And if Garrett Popcorn wants to sponsor us, I have no That is true. That's true. Yeah. That'd be great. The Garrett Popcorn's Love in Motion, though, does end up on my butt and my and on my hips. So I don't But it's popcorn. It's like it's like air. <laughs> Delicious. Delicious. Deliciousness. Air. But yes. no, I love that term and um and I guess what I wanted to say, the other thing that I, I noticed about this, it's less about the self, right? Because before yes. you're like, oh, someone will say, go talk to the bank president, ask ask for funding or whatever. Yeah. And then I would feel yeah. like, oh, that's stressful. I don't know how to yes. talk to the bank president or I don't know how to talk to that person. And then, because it's about the self, right? It's about ego. It's about the fear mm -hmm. of rejection. It's about, yes. I don't have the power, you know, and this right. person does. And then in light of when it's about someone else, it really doesn't matter. If you reject me, okay, whatever, I don't care. If you rejected me because I'm asking for food for someone else or I'm asking right. for it, right? It's not, it, you take the self out of it, that's when mm -hmm. all of the silos come down because it's about right. something greater. And the bank yeah. president doesn't blink an eye about being approached be, to so help support something, a community-based mm -hmm. activity that helps people with food or housing or something. So. That's been beautiful too. It's just no yes. ego, right? Right. Um, so I hope we can we can check our egos at the door forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one thing that does, you know, I'm gonna I'm always the glass is half empty person, and <laughs> I know when people are called to action, that that feeling is so great, and they feel so good about it that if things get normalized a little bit in society, are they going to feel the same calling for the same organization or are they going to move on to something that's new? You know, how many organizations are right. thriving right now that when we go back to a more right. regular time, are they going to be back where they started from? Right. Like you said, people are always hungry. Mm -hmm. Right. They're not just hungry. They're not just hungry on Thanksgiving day. They're right. hungry. Every exactly. Year. Right. 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 And somehow we, so people had blinders on about some of those things. Right. And, Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not just about, you know, what, what, from where I sit, what I'm also worried about is just civic life, right? So, mm -hmm. yes, in this, in this um, current crisis, people need to be fed and pe people are very vulnerable, no doubt. But mm -hmm. in this, when, we, when there's some semblance of going back to work, continuing life as, as we thought we had done it before, you know, I worry about the arts. I worry about, um, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like those guys have just yeah. been All kind of on the sidelines, right? And yeah. understanding that the needs are, of course, right. around food security, all of those types of issues, of course. But I do worry about how some of these smaller community-based arts and culture organizations are really going to survive, um, mm -hmm. like 2021, 2022. I mean, when I think about 2021, 2022, Right now, there's just a flow of money coming in, right? Whether it's from federal government, from private uh -huh. sector, et cetera. What's going to happen when priorities change? When right. people literally, like you said, Ryan, do go back to work and start focusing mm -hmm. on the job, right? And um, like everybody has been able to be completely open and present because we've been sitting here at home in our, you know, bedrooms. For uh -huh. me, I'm at my <laughs> dining room table, but, you know, <laughs> There's no, like, look at my calendar. There's no social activities, right? And it just allows us to be present for each other. What's going to happen when, you know, everyone goes back to work, everyone goes back to 
you know, soccer games on the weekends and piano lessons. And, you know, that's certainly my, my life and just distractions, doctor's appointments and all of the obligations that work gives us the evening obligations, uh -huh. the weekend stuff, right? Mm -hmm. What, how do we, how do we retain some of this, this special stuff that's going on? You know, um, I yeah. don't know. I, I worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I think that's I think that's something a lot of us do. I mean, it's it's so it's so obvious people want to rush back to get to normal life, how it used yeah. to be, you know, and fill their calendars up again. Right. And and for for Ryan and myself, we we kind of talk about that a lot when we're we're like, you know, what happens when people are no longer distracting themselves? Right filling or filling their time with things yeah. it doesn't allow for us to be present in right. what's happening in front of us and you know even we we've, we've even noticed that ourselves how much how distracted we were mm -hmm. you know even though we we still kind of try to make time as much as possible mm -hmm. for each other or you know our family or whatnot mm -hmm. and we noticed you know we we actually had a, a level of distraction still mm -hmm. there and and only now are we like living in our moments, right. and and I and I don't know how to uh, keep mm -hmm. this going mm -hmm. <laughs> to continue to live in the moments uh, without having to have that physical reminder of you know live, live in your moment or whatever. But mm -hmm. uh, because because COVID is so out there still, and mm -hmm. you know there's still restrictions, that's obviously going to stay for a while. But once mm -hmm. it all goes away. How do we keep ourselves totally. present? And how do we live in our moments? And how how can that inform us to live a better life, I yeah. guess, of sorts? I mean, maybe everybody, this will be very, the, the catalyst again, like I said, mm -hmm. to change people and their behaviors. Yeah. I don't yeah. know for the good or the bad. I don't, I don't really know. We, we'll all find out after this is all done. But, yeah, totally. I mean, I've... Yeah. I'm an extrovert and um, no. I really, <laughs> I really <laughs> thought I would miss the social aspects of seeing, I mean, I do miss hugging people and not in a, <laughs> not a, not in a weird Harvey Weinstein way, but I just miss friendship. I miss, you know, um, affection, just, just seeing people at meetings and hugging them or whatever. I miss some of that physical contact, but at the same time, I don't miss, the noise that comes with being extremely social, right? Or the obligation to be social on the weekends. I mean, obligations to our families to see each other too, right? And there's a lot, right? And especially with our networks here in Hawaii, for those of us who have grown up here, there's a lot of obligation, right, to each other. Um, so when that stopped um, and we were given permission just to chill and just you know, not even have to reach out because it's understood. We're just each doing our thing at home. I just, it's been lovely. Like I've been able to read, I've been able to write, you know, I've been able to go sit out in the garden and the the time with the family has been balls, right? I mean, just my kids are <laughs> held captive. They know it. They know it's not my fault. So they're not mad yep. at me. I mean, half the time when I hold them captive, they're mad at me, but this is something bigger than me, right? Me making them right. stay at home with us. Um, and so there's no resentment. Everyone's trying to make the best of it, but we're harking back to like the old school board games. Right. You know, we have wonderful, you know, good dinner conversation. And I just know that once my 
daughter, you know, once we come out of our caves, we stop the sheltering. My daughter's 19 years old. She's just going to bolt. <laughs> she's, I'm not going to see her for the rest of the summer or whatever. And that's sad. Like I just sort of, I've really, we've kind of gone back to old school ways of, you know, like kids playing in the streets, like, you know, just, right. yeah. Um, yeah, I just, that's the kind of stuff I'm going to miss is just going simple, the simple life, you know? Right. Yeah. Ryan's joke is like, he talks about how COVID was the thing to make everybody eat better and yeah. lose weight spend more time with their family. Right. Uh, the environment got all clean. Right. <laughs> that's just, that's chicken skin too. Just this idea that the earth is healing itself because we've just gotten out of the way finally. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I just, I just feel like if there's a kind of a, like a touchy feely kind of feeling to this, that the earth would does need to shake itself of its, occupants every now and then just to purge mm -hmm. like cleanse and purge mm -hmm. uh, and there was and we have just lost our way as a society you know we just we've lost our way we're just overtaxing mm -hmm. this environment overtaxing this planet that we're on and this was i think this was just a way to go back to something more pure um mm -hmm. i know it sounds kind of airy fairy but there i think there's something like that going on you know no, I think you said it. I think the earth has taken a pause. I think we've all taken pauses um, for people with children who have basketball and soccer. You know, that's that's all stopped. So our kids are busier than, oh, well, I say our kids. We don't have kids. People's <laughs> kids are busier than them sometimes, you know. And that yeah. just kind of puts you on a 24-hour, seven-days-a-week schedule where your only time to break is for uh, grab a bite in the evening and then mm -hmm. go to sleep and waking up early for the next day. Mm-hmm. It's certainly given a lot of people time to think and pause, and it's brought about a lot of change in the nonprofit sector and in our community. Mm Hyo -hmm. believes in connection, and the only thing that's missing right now is, like you said, just to be able to go out and grab a friend by the shoulder and give them mm -hmm. a big hug and not being afraid you're going to kill them. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Should, should you just do the jazz hands? Should you go in for the hug? <laughs> that was the gray area for about two weeks before everybody went into sheltering. <laughs> I'm genuinely afraid of how hard some people are going to hug me when this is over. <laughs> you know, they have two months of hug in them. Just know, right? out of them. It, yeah. It's built, yeah, it's pent up in there. Yeah, they totally like, I'm not really a long hugger, but I've been giving people heads up. I'm going to be a long hugger. <laughs> oh yes, yes. I feel I yes. When I see people, I'm like, it's. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be the new the new consent is gonna be. Did you get your vaccine? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> let's do it. And get, let's hug. <laughs> Too funny. Yeah, we we talk about that day quite a bit, and <laughs> we laugh about it, and we're like, it will just be so much joy. Honestly, I know. Money. And you know, I, what's sad is I don't think that day is coming soon. You know, it is, not, I, it is I, and I think a lot of people, like I, have to brace myself that that day is coming later rather than sooner. Um, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It's going to be just like you said, Ryan. It's just what is the new normal? I just I can't even imagine. I can't imagine. Um, just like from the nonprofit sector standpoint, and and this affects you guys too, as as 
people who provide volunteer support is what do events look like? You know, what do convenings look yeah. like for the nonprofit sector? For the most part, there are some silver linings to doing things um, online, no doubt. Like I've found that um, there's a lot of, you know, for us previously, our model was we have to go take pro training products or educational products to each island, right? Or expect mm -hmm. those guys to come physically to Honolulu uh -huh. for training and it's expensive for them. It's expensive for us as well to, to make the investment to go on these road tours. And now like we've been with our webinars and our talk stories and stuff, we've been able to reach deep rural pockets. You know, the guys who could have never afforded to be part of conversations that it's just, that's another chicken skin thing too, is um, to see the connectivity with nonprofits all over the state so affordably too, right? Effortlessly, they can connect with each other um, yes. through technology. So that's, I, you know, I have to ask myself, will we go back to some of those, you know, maybe we do just a lot less of the in-person stuff. It's still important. Um, it's still important to, to connect in person, but at the risk of, you know, overtaxing someone financially, I think this is the next best thing is we can connect this way. Um, so as you know, we were, go ahead. We were forced. We were forced to learn how to do it. Yeah. You know, I, before before COVID, I almost never had Zoom yeah, meetings. Me now, I'm on video Zoom calls daily. Yeah, me too. And the comfort level has dropped. And you know, I've I've accepted it, and I'm here, and I brush my hair, and right. <laughs> you know, right. you put on thick and all that. You yeah. know, the, the question is: is is virtual workspace going to replace real workspace yeah. too? Right. Right, right. I mean, just this idea of the real-time meeting where while you're talking, you can plop something in the chat box and everyone can consume it. And it doesn't, it has not, a tree has not suffered because you've just printed a gazillion pieces of paper for people to look at mm -hmm. at the meeting. People can just real-time talk story about it. You can share the document. People can edit it at the same time. Like just in terms of productivity and groupthink and I feel like there's some serious positive aspects of of online meetings, you know? I think COVID has taught us all, all a lot of lessons. It's made us be reflective and appreciative of our relationships, especially our close personal relationships. And but it's also taught us how to adapt and to change for the for a more positive collective future. Mm -hmm. I think that's the really the essence of nonprofit, right? What, what is the what is the gap and fill the need? Right. In this case, we're all being handed the gap right in front of us right. with this virus. So it, it's been a very interesting time. Mm -hmm. And speaking of interesting time, I mean, we barely talked about volunteerism, but I think we're okay. <laughs> no, with we that. did. We talked about we it. talked about it for maybe a smidge, just a smidge, and no, a smidge is enough. <laughs> Dude, we talked about it as the essence of all being. Like, But I do think this is a good run through. So are you ready to record now? Oh, my God. <laughs> Let me go get a glass of wine then. <laughs> that would be even more fun. <laughs> or two. <laughs> hey, it's Friday. <laughs> but I do want to be cognizant of the time. We've had you for, we booked you for the time and we're coming up on it. Mm -hmm. Um well, did you want to ask? You had you had specific questions about volu my volunteerism, or no? I, most of my questions was, "What is your bank account number? <laughs> Social security 
security. You well, know? did you want to do the thing where you asked Lisa about her first volunteer experience? Yeah. Or well, okay. So I do. One of the things that we do with all of our volunteers when they enroll in HiHo is we do a, a skill assessment and an interview. And one of the things that we talk about is one of your earliest mm. experience volunteerism. So we wanted to ask every guest that we have on our podcast, uh, what is your earliest experience with volunteering or with volunteerism? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I feel like I probably did something in elementary school, but I could I share not so much like the earliest instance or example, but more the one that kind of like put a stamp, you know, on my, in my memory banks. Um, there are no wrong <laughs> answers here. But if you're going to say in elementary school that you did the Pizza Hut book it, that doesn't count. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that was, that's why it wasn't really um, like earth shattering to share because it is like the UNICEF at Halloween, right? Those kinds of things that you're, you know, that are kind of like going through the motions, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like, did we ever, did anybody take the time to really share with us what UNICEF was? No. <laughs> I mean, no. You know, no. To, make the, to help make those connections to why we're doing this? No. So I wouldn't say that my earliest instances of volunteer volunteering really were the most that were resonant that stuck with me or were resonant. Um, so one though is probably it was circa 1985. I was probably a sophomore in high school. Um, I it was either I feel like it was the Leo Club, um, and we were doing like Christmas carols at um, Waimana Home. Mm. You know, because Waimana Home is right next to Pearl City High, which is where I went to school. And um, so we we had never been kind of, it was always kind of mysterious as like the neighbor of Pearl City High School. Um, And because it really was the home for the most severely, um, people with severe disabilities, mental and physical, Really, many of them are just—it's an institution, right? This was this was Waimano home. Um, it wasn't, of course, the happiest place of places, right, to go, and it was always just very mysterious to us as students. And so, to have been given a glimpse or to actually be able to be let into the facility during the holidays, um, um, and to walk through the halls and to see the the patients. Um, it just really struck me because it was just, um, well, for one, it was eye-opening to just see that population um, and to understand just where people are in life, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So that was that was really kind of struck me. But then also just kind of, even though it was just this one-time kind of punctuation of an, of an interaction, it just brought so much joy to them, right? For us to be walking through singing carols, Christmas carols, um, passing out candy, etc. Um, so it really was this motion of love as, you know, lo- love in motion is what Char said, right? And just, it really was, even though it was a quick interaction, uh, but it just was so, um, I don't know, it just stayed with me, you know? And and so then, but fast forward, I guess I, I sort of feel like, I, we've talked about this before, is how can volunteer opportunities be deeper, right? Not just sort of show up with the jingle bells and the you know candy and then leave. Like how mm-hmm. could we think about making 
the volunteer role just so much more meaningful and long term even and um, uh, prog like progress progressive meaning you know it's not a one time op um, experience but there's there's commitment to the organization long term commitment to the organization so so while it wasn't um, you know that experience of of like a long term commitment like a, a a deeper thing would have been to form a solid relationship between the Leo Club to be always interacting with those kids going over after school. I mean, for goodness sakes, we were neighbors, right? So couldn't we have created some kind of long-term partnership where the relationships can actually be formed, right? Um, so that would have been probably the ideal, but it's still, it just still stayed with me. And then of course, just for, for high school kids to be able to do that kind of volunteer work, it's just, it's, it's expanding their horizons. It's, mm -hmm. it's bringing sensitivity and, you know, knowledge to, to their very, very insular self-centered world. Right. We talked about that, right. The DC uh -huh. trip of high school kids is not terribly deep. Right. Um, <laughs> so, so how do you, how do you bring that, right. That wisdom, the, the pause, the asking them to be present, to take in their environment. Not everybody has it as good as they do as, as these mm -hmm. high school students do. So, on many levels, it, it struck me. So that's my answer. <laughs> that's good. That's a great answer. <laughs> and you are correct. So good job. <laughs> I, live no, by your, I live by your affirmation, Ryan. <laughs> it's, no, it's good though, Lisa, because like you talk about how you're, you're like, it was only a one-time thing, but, but really the fact that you talked about it still to this day mm -hmm. and how much it had an effect on you, mm -hmm. it's still, a lot of when we first started this people were telling us you know how do how do we measure and i'm like how do we measure volunteer involvement and sustainability and it's really difficult sometimes because we are not really certain how a volunteer story plays out in the end mm -hmm. so you would be an example of that mm -hmm. in that you can't go back to your high school student or club leader and be like it worked i'm in nonprofit work mm -hmm it resonated with me so much and helped me understand my part in the world and you know uh expanded my horizons mm -hmm. or whatnot but, you know the fact that it stayed with you to this day that means mm -hmm. it still worked mm -hmm. regardless of whether or not you go out there and do service like that in, mm -hmm. in that way mm -hmm. it still helped steer you or steered you or directed you as a person mm -hmm. and it was able to stay with you this entire time mm -hmm. in the volunteer world we call that a win <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you'd be counted as a stat. You, awesome. you did it. <laughs> Toby's happy too, my dog. <laughs> well, I I think I think that we covered a lot of things in our time together yeah. from from very things that don't mean a lot of things to other people and mean a lot to us too. Our common love of Garrett's popcorn. <laughs> Goodness. Oh I'm going to have to cre recreate my own garage popcorn at home. And the Tatooine, Tatooine building. I was like, oh my God, we're in Star Wars all of a sudden. It was so weird. Oh, let's not talk about Star Wars. <laughs> it's going to be another hour or two. <laughs> we're going to get out of here. Well, let us uh, express our thanks for you to come in and be in our inaugural guest on our podcast, The Morning Assembly. Um, Hi-Ho is always 
looked at you as a friend and a mentor, and we certainly appreciate your support over the years, but also more importantly, your friendship. So thank you for sharing your time with us. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. And I always love talking story with you guys. And as it as it always happens, time just passed. And before you know it, like we start eating breakfast and then before you know it, it's lunch. <laughs> in even in this virtual world. <laughs> time flies when you're having fun, but time also flies when you're having good conversations. Yeah, so. Totally. Yeah. Well, thank Sorry, you. From Hano. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. I, good talking. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. That's a little awkward. Cut that part out. That was weird. No, it's going to stay in. It's great. Sure. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs>